Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hi there, it's Gina Gardner and I'm really thrilled to join you today on Passionate World Radio. My theme today looks at ways to get out of that deep dark hole, that time when you're feeling you're really in a fix. There are plenty of sources of information to help you deal with almost anything. And when you're feeling positive, it's easy to follow the advice and to find ways around and through whatever problem is facing you. But when the chips are really down, when you're feeling that everything is bleak and there's no escape, somehow it's difficult to remember that there are tools you can use or people who can help. I don't think there's one simple solution for everyone. I only know the ways I've found that have helped me on those dark days when anything seemed difficult and everything seemed insurmountable. For me, the bleakest times have been triggered by wrestling with my health and mobility problems. When things appeared to be out of control, it's also easy to believe that things can never get better or that you're a victim. Many people in difficult situations ask the question, why me? And I've yet to find anyone who's got a satisfactory answer. During my life, I and my family have faced some pretty challenging situations. I suppose our family is no different to thousands of others, yet the situation becomes entirely personal when it happens to you. When something happens which knocks you off course and sends you spiralling down, It can feel like a very lonely place. The reality is that the true solution rests with you. Since a serious ski accident in 1983, I've had to deal with any number of challenges and setbacks. I've spent over 30 months in hospital at one time or another. I've learnt to walk twice as an adult. I've had to come to terms with using a wheelchair and the restrictions that brings and also people's attitude towards you when you're in a wheelchair, although I'm pleased to say that that seems to be changing. To be honest, there have been some really bleak moments. When I left hospital following the second surgery on my back, I was probably at my lowest ebb. It had taken me 18 months to walk to the bottom of my rather small garden uh, after the first operation, and here I was just four months later, completely unable to stand, let alone walk. I'd thought it difficult enough after the first failed back surgery, when every time I put my left foot to the floor and tried to bear weight, I'd fainted. But at least then I had the capacity to stand on my right leg and manoeuvre myself, making it easier to use the stair lift in my house, access the toilet, get into the car, reach a cup in the cupboard or make a cup of tea. Now, 
I was completely reliant on someone leaving a cup and, and the tea or coffee out and getting a jug of milk and leaving it on the side, filling the kettle, or I couldn't even make myself a drink of tea or coffee. My sister and her husband have had their trials too. They've had to face the fact that both of my nephews were found to have a, an extremely rare, life-limiting genetic disorder. When Matty was five, they said they would test Jamie, who was then 18 months, but the doctors were reassuring. They were convinced that although Matty had the disease, that Jamie would be okay. How wrong can you be? Both boys were affected with a cruel disease which meant that they progressed more or less normally until around the age of seven, when a slow deterioration set in both physically and mentally. Both boys have hugely outlived the prediction of a life limited to their early teens. Matty died in his thirties and Jamie is still with us, he's now 41 but severely affected, making mobility, eating and communication extremely difficult. Jamie can only eat things that are liquidised, and he has about the same sort of language as a very young toddler. Now, I'm not sharing this with you to make you feel depressed, quite the opposite. I'm sharing it with you because at the heart of this is a story of hope, survival and growth. No matter what your difficulties you still have the choice of how you're going to deal with them, even if you can do nothing to actually change the situation. Sometimes bad things happen, and it's perfectly natural to feel a range of negative emotions. I'm not suggesting for a moment that these emotions should be ignored or buried. Feeling sad, angry, frustrated, depressed are all natural responses when we're faced with challenges particularly where those challenges are life-changing or likely to persist. It's hard to accept that we've made mistakes, but when a situation is imposed upon you, it can make it feel even more unfair. There are times when you just need to sit with the negative emotions for a while. However, you choose whether to stay in the pit of despair for a short while, or for longer, or forever. I'd like to share some of the story of one of my clients because I think this illustrates how even in the darkest situations there's hope and there's also a really rosy future if you choose to take it. She came to see me because she was struggling with deep grief. Three weeks before her first son was born, her husband was busy at their new house decorating the nursery. When he didn't return for lunch, she went to the house to see what was causing the delay. She found her husband dead. He'd died suddenly and was later found out that he'd had a heart attack. I met my client for the first time a couple of years later, and these are her own words. At nine months pregnant, age 32, I was one of the most happiest women alive. I had a doting husband who loved me more than the world. We were having our home renovated and extended, getting ready for our new arrival. A week into my maternity leave, my husband, aged 36, all of a sudden passed away. It was devastating. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. Three weeks later, I gave birth to our son. He needed me, and he was the only piece of my husband I had, and he kept me going. 
Two years later, I hit an all-time low. The doctors prescribed me with antidepressants, signed me off work and referred me to counselling. I attended week in, week out, but wasn't sure I was moving forward. After a few months, I was moved to group counselling. The sadness of the other ladies made me spiral further down, and I stopped going. I decided I needed to get back to work and to keep busy, and in that week, two people recommended that I speak to Gina. I took it as a sign and called her. She and I spoke at length, and she suggested I book a course of ten sessions, and if I didn't use them all, she'd refund me. I thought she was totally bonkers, thinking I may not even need those ten sessions. I'd had over six months of counselling and it didn't work, and here was Gina suggesting ten sessions. But I was desperate to heal and decided to give it a go. She gave me great advice and some brilliant techniques to use in my daily life. I don't remember much about those years of my life, but I remember going into work after my third session and a colleague of mine looked at me and said, there's something different about you. He wasn't the only one to comment. A friend said, you don't look so grey, what's changed? I didn't know what she meant until a few years later. By my sixth session I felt alive and human again. I never thought I'd feel like that. It saved me from the darkness I was trapped in and made me look at my life in a positive manner. The strategies helped rebuild my confidence my family life, my social life, and take control of every aspect of life. So, what made the difference to my client, to my sister and her husband and to myself? I offer you the approaches I, my family and my clients have used, and I hope that they'll help you. Of course, you've got to use them in order for them to work. It's incredibly helpful to recognise that whatever is going on, you have the choice to deal with it in many different ways. You can choose what, to let whatever's happened in your life determine the quality of your life and that of those around you, now and in the future, either positively or negatively. When you focus on, on how unfair or terrible the situation is, and it may very well be, and continue to do that, the feeling of unfairness or disaster begins to gather power. The negative feelings grow in direct proportion to the focus and energy we give it. But when you acknowledge what a bummer it is, how challenging it may be, but decide that you're going to choose to make the best of the situation and find a way of moving forward, over time there's a qualitative change in how it feels and how well resourced you feel to deal with the situation. This may feel stark, but it's been my reality, and is also true of the clients I work with. It's incredibly helpful to think about the meaning you attach to any situation. The why me question can frequently leave you feeling that the world's against you, that everything is conspiring to make you fearful, miserable, alone. And once you go down that route, it's difficult to halt those thoughts. We humans love a story. When we don't know the facts, we tend to make them up, to fill in the gaps. The story becomes our truth. The more we think about it or talk about it, the more entrenched that truth becomes. 
I asked my client to write down her story, what had happened and how she felt about it, what she wanted to say to her husband, indeed anything that she felt relevant. I then asked her to think about the things in her story which were absolute truth. I then asked her to consider where in the story she'd created a version of the truth which was open to interpretation. Fact, her husband had died and left her to bring up a new baby alone. Interpretation, life was always going to be terrible. She was totally alone and the future was pretty bleak. Whatever the situation, there is always an alternative story, one which can help you feel more empowered. Helping my client rewrite her story was an important part of her recovery. Far from being entirely alone with nothing to look forward to, she had a beautiful young son who was part of her beloved husband. Helping her to consider what sort of life she wanted for herself and her son and an opportunity to consider that not only was there a future, but one which could include love, laughter and happiness, helped her recognise that she had the power to determine the quality of her now and of her future and that of her son. My client had a loving extended family, good friends and much to look forward to as her son grew up. I asked her to think about the story her late husband would want to be true for her and her son. Writing that down proved to be incredibly helpful. Deep down, my client knew that her husband would have hated her to be unhappy and to allow his death to spoil her life and that of her son. Writing things down is a brilliant way of helping us organise our thoughts. It helps us determine absolute fact and give us the distance we need from our thoughts to gain perspective. When you're feeling overwhelmed by a situation, it's so much easier to deal with those dark thoughts when they're downloaded onto paper. We then can have the opportunity to order our thoughts without the chatter and the judgments, instead of them going round and round gathering momentum and power. Exercise and laughter both release the feel-good hormones such as endorphins and dopamine. They're a great antidote to the stress hormones of hydrocortisone, cortisol and adrenaline. Running, brisk walking, cycling, dancing and swimming are all great ways of burning off the stress hormones. But just as effective is having a great laugh. Clients have found that when they're feeling particularly low, changing their physiology, getting moving and finding things which make them laugh on a regular basis is the quickest way to create a shift in mood. However, in order to maintain the improved mood requires other strategies to be used alongside the laughter and exercise. And I'm going to share some of those strategies that have been so helpful. When things go wrong in our lives, and inevitably there are times when they will go wrong, it's common to spend time thinking and talking about how things haven't worked out. Our brains begin to focus on other things which are going wrong and before long we've created a belief that we're unlucky and that the world is against us. The brain has millions of individual pieces of information available in any given moment. We take that information through our senses, what we see, hear, 
feel, smell and taste. Because our brains simply cannot cope with the huge amount of information, the brain filters the vast majority of information out. Researchers say that we can take in around seven pieces, plus or minus two, at any given time. We are creatures of habit, so if we habitually focus on the negative in our lives, our brains focus even more on the negative, filtering out the good. Our brain thinks that's what we want. The opposite is also true. If you focus on the positive, then the brain thinks you want positive, so it focuses even more on it. One of the most helpful approaches to climb out of the darkness is to deliberately focus on positive things in your life. And the simplest way to do that is to collect gratitudes in a very specific way. This is not really about counting your blessings, which in my experience is often simply a way of feeling worse. Collecting gratitude is about looking for lots of small things during the day, which in that moment give you a sense of pleasure, making you smile or feel connected. It's important to make it really easy. I find nature is a great source of gratitudes for me. I love watching the patterns of the rain on the window, dog playing in the garden, a nice meal, watching a sunset or seeing a beautiful garden. You might find it somebody who's phoned you or given you a hug or that you've enjoyed a great cuppa. Anything which gives you a positive feeling in that moment. At the end of the day, just before you go to sleep, scan your day and go through each of the gratitudes in turn. Choose five. Now, it takes 28 days of doing something consistently to create a new neural pathway in the brain. Neural pathways are the structures which support habits. When you do this exercise consistently over 28 days, it will recalibrate the brain, helping you to focus more consistently on the positive things in life. If you look for them, they are there. It makes sense to ensure that any habitual behaviour is giving a positive impact on your life. Focusing on the positive things in your life has far-reaching benefits, both physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. Another important aspect is learning to forgive. Forgiveness does not require you to forget the hurt that someone's done to you or to condone it, and that's really, really important. It's crucial to remember that. But also, it's important to recognise that holding on to the hurt is like taking the poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. So let me repeat that. Forgiveness is not about forgetting or condoning. And holding on to the hurt is like taking the poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. Holding on to the hurt and bitterness, to guilt or regret, acts like a canker which not only destroys any chance of permanent happiness, but also has a hugely negative impact on your physical, mental and emotional health. And I'll be exploring the whole theme of forgiveness much more deeply in a later episode. Learning to forgive yourself is just as important. Focusing on doing something for others is a great solution 
if you're feeling terrible. It was a principle I was brought up with and it served me and those I work with very well. And it works at a number of levels. The focus is directed to taking action, action which will make a positive difference and that gives us a sense of control over our lives. If you're feeling alone, getting involved with others who are working on something which resonates with you, an environmental group perhaps, or a charity which supports other people or animals, a creative group, a choir, orchestra, getting involved in a social group or a group who are learning a new skill or language. When you do that, not only are you doing something really purposeful, but it also offers a great opportunity to meet new people who already have something in common with you. Having faith in your capacity to cope is so important. You can deal with whatever life brings if you believe you can. When you watch the news or documentaries about people who have done extraordinary things, it's all too easy to think that they have special powers. The reality is that they're ordinary people dealing with extraordinary circumstances. They made the choice to get on and make the best of a difficult situation. And so can you. Have faith. Faith that this situation will pass. Nothing stays the same in life. And however difficult the situation may be, it will pass too. Many people that I've worked with were convinced that the situation they found themselves in was desperate and they could see no way through. Yet if you spoke to those same people some time later, they would say that despite the challenge, the worry and the upset, the circumstance had proved to be a really positive experience, that they felt stronger and more positive about their lives as a result. The seeming disaster, be it illness, accident, redundancy, financial ruin, divorce, had set them on a very different path, one which was far more in tune with their sense of purpose. In dealing with the situation, they have each in their own way grown emotionally and spiritually, and their lives are richer as a result. The thing which made the real difference is that they chose to take control of their lives. They chose not to be victims, but in the words of a well-known song, they picked themselves up, dusted themselves down, and started all over again. I think dealing with bereavement is a different sort of challenge. Managing the loneliness and sense of loss requires a different sort of faith. Faith that you will have a way of coping, that learning to live fully and to be happy again is honouring the loved one who has died, rather than being in some way disloyal. Loving someone means you want the best for them. No loving partner would wish their spouse to live in mourning for the rest of their lives. They would want you to mourn their passing, but to pick yourself up and learn to live life fully. Probably losing a child is perhaps the most devastating thing that one can think of. And I know that my sister and her husband found it very difficult when Matty died. But they've used this same principle to get on and make the best of their lives and to do their best for Jamie and to help other people. And in doing so, I wouldn't say that the hurt has gone, but they've found purpose in their lives and they have found that they can be happy. 
Having faith that you're a spiritual being and there's strength and solace in that spirituality is an incredible gift. We are human beings, not human doings. And there's strength in recognising that we're all connected, that we matter, and through our creativity, our connection with nature, with animals, our families, with one another, we can find a sense of perspective and purpose which is both healing and strengthening. It is in the act of getting up after we fall, of climbing out of the pit of despair, that we engage in the most powerful of all spiritual practices. If you're regularly feeling low, it's really important to get some help. Now, you'll find lots of free resources on my website. That's https colon forward slash forward slash genuinely hyphen you genuinely hyphen you.com. If you'd like to raise specific questions or issues, you can contact me through the website or join, join the Facebook group and you can raise questions there. Please let me know if there are any themes that you would like covered in future shows. So the website https colon forward slash forward slash genuinely hyphen you.com and you can find the genuinely you Facebook group um, or you can find me on Facebook if you'd like to join me there. You can download a free digital copy of my latest book which is a number one international bestseller. It's called Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. And you'll find all sorts of themes in there that can help you when you're feeling that life is difficult. I look forward to joining you again soon. Do take care. With much love, Gina. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.